0: Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you, and God bless.
1: Good morning. It is Tuesday, July 11th. The Feast of St. Benedict, but more importantly for our uh, my friend in one of the chairs here, is the Feast of St. Olga of Kiev, uh, who morning, introduced, who is credited with introducing Catholicism to the Ukraine.
0: Yes, that is my family's homeland, Romansky. That's a Ukrainian name. That's where my relatives are from. They came over to the United States in the beginning of the last century. And the Ukrainians are one of
1: the Rus tribes, from Mm -hmm. what I understand.
0: And I actually have a great Aunt Olga.
1: I did have an Aunt Olga, also, come to think of it. But uh, uh, St. Olga uh, converted to Catholicism, uh, I think, in 957 in Constantinople and went back and tried to convert her son. That was just about an hour ago. Yeah, for me it was. (laughs) And... uh, she, uh, Her son did not convert, but her grandson did convert, and so uh, that she is credited with being one of the persons that is instrumental in, in, in converting the Ukraine to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And she is the patroness of converts and widows, and she's also the patroness, oddly enough, of the arch patriarchy of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, you Can I you,
0: jump in there? You know why that is? No, I don't. Because in the mid to late 19th century big wave of ukrainian immigration to canada and they moved out to western canada they were farmers ranchers and um, there's quite a quite a ukrainian population there in that part of canada
1: and i am remiss i forgot to tell everybody as though they didn't know that i'm gene wilhelm and i'm your host for yes you are the one and only well thank god for that (laughs) Uh, i'm glad you said that not me (laughs) and so uh I'm your host for Red Sea Roundup on the second Wednesday of each month, and uh, our our listeners in the Waco area, if our our, uh, signal gets spotty, it's because we're having some technical difficulties there, and you can either get the Red Sea Radio app, or you can go to redsearadio.org and hit the Listen Now button to get that, and if you've missed anything that you want to hear, uh, you can pick up the podcast in a few days when it shows up on the website. Indeed and, indeed, and then also on Saturday, it'll be repeated again Saturday morning at nine o'clock.
0: That's right. Okay. Very good, Gene.
1: Uh I've got some sad news for the people here at St. Mary's and College Station. Indeed. Uh Deacon Switzer deason died yesterday. Uh he's he's had brain cancer for approximately ten years. And uh those of you uh here in this area may have known him uh before he was assigned to Saint Mary's, he was uh, he previously served at Saint Joseph's here in Bryan and at Saint Luke's in Temple, and he had a tremendous uh, ministry to to prisoners, and uh, so uh, and he was on the bishop's advisory council, financial council, and the advisory council for Cedar Breaker Retreat House. Uh, uh, any of you who knew Switzer uh, knew what an upbeat person he was and how affirming he was and uh, he was, uh, I got to know him when he became a member of the uh, Men's Bible Study on Mondays at noon, and uh, we are really going to miss him because he always had something to offer. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace, and uh, I have no knowledge of what the funeral arrangements are at this time. So uh, what's going on with Red Sea Radio today?
0: Well, Red Sea Radio is still going strong. We are continuing to uh, battle that monthly deficit that we've uh, been telling you about for the last few weeks. We are continuing to see movement on it. We're down to now 2,600 monthly deficit. And that's welcome news, welcome sign. Yes, it is. And we're going to just continue to... uh, Let everyone who listens know that we do have that need. We want to get that under control um, and balance those books because then we have uh, more safety and uh, security in what we do each month, and we can be more confident in going out and expanding the apostolate and continuing to um, improve what we do in the future. So we ask you to uh, prayerfully consider Becoming a monthly donor, maybe taking that step from uh, a one time donation to becoming a monthly donation, uh, donor, excuse me. And I want to reiterate again, too, that, you know, we would be overjoyed uh, to get a flood of $5 a month donations. Uh, It doesn't matter if you are a $5 monthly donor or a $500 monthly donor, all of those. Make a difference. They all contribute to getting us to that goal of bringing that monthly deficit to zero. So please go to slash donate and become a monthly supporter of the radio. And, you know, by doing this, you are proclaiming the gospel. You're helping to evangelize. You're helping to instruct the the ignorant, you're helping to comfort the uh, sorrowful, you're doing those spiritual works of mercy by supporting the radio. Um, so we can't thank you enough for those of you who do, and we want to encourage you to, to come on board if you're not a monthly subscriber.
1: And there's an event also coming up in West in the near future, is there not? Uh, what Would uh, some, somebody, uh, Dennis Maka's here in the studio with me, and I think he's going to talk about that event in West.
2: Yeah, Gene, hey, how's it going? I got some information just this morning about the festival for St. Mary's in West, and that's going to be their annual parish festival. It's going to be on August the 12th, and it starts at 11 a.m., and uh, they got a great celebration. We were there last year, broadcast it live, and uh, that's to be determined this year whether or not that's going to happen, God willing. But they do have lots of food, lots of fun. Uh, They're having fried chicken and sausage meal, followed by auction, a country store, games for the kids. Their bingo is really popular. We handed out tons of Red Sea Catholic Radio bumper magnets at their bingo. Um, They they have a whole room set aside for bingo. And they have a whole lot more that they do. And certainly there's going to be lots of kolaches there and, and just a great time had by all. So Paris Festival, August 12th. St. Mary's in West, be there at 11 a.m.
1: And you know the kolaches are going to be authentic.
2: They're dang good. <laughs> Is your mom going to be contributing any kolaches? No, I, I typically only eat my mom's kolaches because they're the best in the world, but you know, I, I was no, no slam to those that are in West, <laughs> no slam to those that are in West or anywhere else, but uh, you know, my dear old mom's kolaches are the best. Okay. Hi, mom. Love you, mom. <laughs> Uh, I love you too. Can't have you say that to my mom before, for me. No, I was saying it on your behalf. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
1: Uh, There's another event that's coming up (laughs) on the 21st, uh, and this is the 10th annual Men's Mass. That's
2: 21st of July, right? Yes, 21st of July. Pardon me. Sorry, the August 12th is the actual date for the festival, not the 21st. Okay, Okay, I'm sorry. No, no, thanks. Uh,
1: For the Men's Mass is uh, the 21st, and it's. Outgrown the cathedral. So this year it's at St. Elizabeth's Catholic Church at 1520 North Railroad Avenue in Pflugerville, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that I've heard that, that in various areas some men who uh, who are really interested in other men are trying to get carpools together to go to uh, Austin for that mass. And that's, that's really a good thing. And uh, if you could make it, that'd be great. The other thing, uh, one of the things that uh next month, my guest will be deacon dave mays and he's going to be talking about his trip on the camino that's the the trip in spain to the uh, i can't say in spain, spanish but it's the basilica saint james san san uh, i don't san diego Compostello is that it i don't remember i so it, it that's a 500 mile trip. He walked 500 miles. So uh or San, most of it Santiago de Santiago Compostela. de Compostela. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Santiago. either way you say it it's a long way. Yes it is. <laughs> so that'll be next week and this week my guest is is will will have after the uh, big after we take the break is going to be Father Anthony Tinker uh who is a Franciscan of the Holy Spirit in Phoenix Arizona and uh i've known anthony's family anthony father anthony's family since before his parents were married and were actually marion and i were actually at his uh, parents wedding uh, and so uh, i'm really excited about that they have uh, the lord is really working powerfully through the franciscans of the holy spirit and i think you will really be excited when you hear what he has to say that's going on in his world
0: yeah i want to find out if he took his name from the desert father St. Anthony, because, you know, he's out in the deserts of Arizona, so if that's his namesake, that would be pretty appropriate. It certainly would. Um, hey, speaking of uh, deserts, you might feel like you're in a spiritual desert and you need a spa for your soul. If that's the case, you, sh- you can get yourself over to the uh, Catholic Women's Conference July 27th and 28th. Um, that's going to be in San Antonio, You can register at cwcsanantonio.com or call them at 210-521-3377 and get uh, information about going to the Catholic Women's Conference 2018 at the Pilgrim Center of Hope in San Antonio. So give that a thought if you are a young lady matron out there needing uh, some refreshment of the soul, and you want to be around other Catholic women uh, seeking that, go to that Catholic Women's Conference.
1: Go check it out. I don't think I fit.
2: No, but I, I could tell you where you do fit, because you're a human, right, Gene? Yes. Okay. All humans are invited to St. Anthony's here in Bryan. Tomorrow night, they are starting a Catholicism series. Come what to have a service
0: animal? Can, you, can they uh, come?
2: Certainly. Certainly. But they can't come without their master. Okay. They need to be, yeah, serving that purpose. Good, good. So they need to, to, to get their tails, do you like that? To St. Anthony's <laughs> tomorrow night, starting at 5.30 for a wonderful meal, followed by a great fellowship and a video series of the Catholicism series to come and learn about Jesus in a new and deeper way. I will be there personally, and so my family and I will be there. We want you—this is my personal invitation— I want you to come tomorrow night to St. Anthony's to enjoy some great food fellowship, a great film, and a great discussion on what it means to be a Catholic. And it's the first of the series of the Catholicism series by Bishop Robert Barron, so it's going to be a great video, and it's going to be great fellowship. So we hope to see you there tomorrow on Thursday evening, and it's going to be going for five weeks, but like I said, come to one Come to all. You don't have to be a St. Anthony's parishioner, nor do you even have to be Catholic.
0: And that first episode in the series is on the uh, amazed encounter afraid. With, with Christ, understanding Christ. Yeah,
2: amazed and afraid. And so it it's a beautiful series. We have them at home, and we've seen them, and they, they really are done very well. So come to St. Anthony's tomorrow at 5.30, and I hope to see you there. Can I say one more thing? Well, I mean, you run the the show, so... No, it's Gene, actually. Gene, may I say one more thing? You certainly may. Thank you, Gene. Garage sale time, folks. August 4th, what I want you to do in the Bryan College Station area is to start setting aside your things that can benefit us directly. Red Sea Catholic Radio, the, I think it's like 21st annual KJZT Charity Garage Sale will be coming up on August 4th at St. Joseph's Elementary School in Bryan.
0: KJZT stands for what? Or, you know, basically. Catholic Family
2: Fraternal of Texas, okay. and they have a charity garage sale that benefits us, the 40 Days for Life, as well as St. Joseph's Catholic School and Church, and it's it's, a, it's an amazing sale. That's all I want to tell you right now besides save up your stuff, and we're looking for volunteers for setup and operations. Look to our website at radio.org. in the next couple of days. We're going to have a link there on our page about all the things that you can do to help we want to make this the biggest and best one yet. It has been a tremendous benefit uh, to our apostolate every year, and we want it to continue to be the same. So,
1: if we got anything else, are we ready to go to a break? I
2: uh, just wanted to also tell our listeners,
0: thank you so much for giving in the recent Relevant Radio pledge drive. Yeah, let We me, really saw some tremendous— uh, right. Output from that, didn't we?
2: And I can take it from there, and you can kind of get the the connection to Waco, get woken up a little bit here. It's uh, having those technical difficulties, as Gene said. The uh, relevant radio pledge drive each year that uh, each quarter that they have half of the money that's raised in our local area comes back to us, and so we just received a check from our latest pledge drive, and so we want to thank you very much. It was a check for forty one hundred dollars that is very helpful to our operations but it's not something that we can count on on a regular basis, hence the, no, as far as the uh, the regular monthly income that Thaddeus was talking about, it's a nice perk to help us with our debt reduction and all those things. So once again, is, is lots of ways that you can give to, to Red Sea Catholic Radio, either through the garage sale, uh, by one time, or monthly donations, or even contribution contributions to relevant radio, which half of that does come back to us. On that regular basis. So with that, we're going to uh, start making our way to the break. And Waco, you may be hearing some music instead of Spots, but, you know, we'll roll with the punches as as we're taken. So, but we're going to continue rolling forward with Red Sea Roundup. Gene's going to come back.
1: Yes, we'll be right back after the break with Father Anthony Tinker. Yeah. Can't wait to hear it. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm, and I'm very happy to have you here today with me. And uh, I have a surprise for you in a minute, but I will introduce my guest. But in the meantime, those of you who are listening to us on our Waco station, uh, you may have some problems hearing us from time to time. We are having technical difficulties. If that happens, uh, use our app or go to redsearadio.org and click on the Listen Now button and you'll be able to hear us. And my guest for today is Father Anthony Tinker, who's a Franciscan of the Holy Spirit. Hello, Father Anthony.
3: Hello, Gene. How are you?
1: Just fine, thank you. We were discussing uh, among ourselves here that I've known you for eons, and probably since before you were born, you were telling me when we first started the, uh, uh, to get ready for the program. And uh, so uh, I know a little bit of your background, but why don't you tell the rest of the world what your background is?
3: Certainly. I'm from Dallas, Texas. Uh, I'm the youngest of, uh, I grew up with three older brothers and uh, grew up, I went to Cistercian High School in Dallas, Texas. Ended up um, for a year at Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas until uh, after my freshman year in college, I felt called to the priesthood. So I went to Franciscan University in Steubenville where I got my undergrad degree. I joined a Franciscan community out in Pennsylvania at that time, uh, did my seminary studies at Catholic University, and uh, did a little bit of everything there, taught some high school uh, for a year, uh, did, was in a parish uh, for a year, and then did campus ministry for a couple of years uh, before I then got back here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona.
1: That's pretty uh, pretty uh, amazing. What was it that, that uh, gave you the uh thought or what was the Holy Spirit said to you that convinced you that you had a vocation to the priesthood?
3: Well, uh, you know, I was, I guess, living a pretty typical college lifestyle. I went to Mass on Sunday, um, but, you know, I was involved in track and joined a fraternity, and so, uh, you know, my my prayer life was, uh, I guess, most pressing when I had a test coming up, but wasn't necessarily a daily uh, occurrence, and, uh, but, uh, was home for the summer, was working. My old youth minister called me, asked me to be a part of this retreat. It was a life in the spirit seminar. So we'd gathered on Tuesday nights for a number of weeks for a talk, uh, for some praise and worship and for a small group session. And I was leading one of the small groups. And over that time, I just, the Lord just put that, I guess that fatherly, that spiritual uh, fatherhood in my heart as I. Uh, and many since his father, these young men in a small group, and the Lord was showing me all this peace and love which I'd been longing for, and I knew I came from him ultimately, but i guess i'd I'd been so focused on you know sports and school and other things that i hadn't really um, attuned my heart to it as much, and I got prayed for on this weekend retreat as a part of this uh, life in the Spirit seminar, and I just knew in the depths of my heart that how much God loved me, how deep his love was and that he was calling me to be an instrument of that love and to help other people come to know how much he loves them um, through a vocation to the priesthood. And so I came home and uh, told my parents, and they were very excited, and uh, the rest is kind of history.
1: Now, probably not as excited as your grandmother or uh, if your grandmother was still alive at that time as they would be, because I know they prayed ceaselessly for a vocation in the family.
3: Oh my goodness! Yes, so my my grandfather, who you know, Peter Darby, was a, a deacon, and so the first class of deacons in the diocese of Dallas after Vatican II. And uh, so yes, there was the uh, desire for a vocation. Uh, my parents had been praying for one of their boys to be uh, a priest for since I think my oldest brother was born. So the fact that I'd uh, I responded to that call, that I was putting on my heart, they were very very happy.
1: For those of the, uh, in our listening audience that don't know what a Life in the Spirit seminar is, Father Anthony, uh, would you uh, just give a brief description of what that is?
3: Oh, happily. So it's a retreat uh, in which someone comes to understand a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, and in particular through praying uh, for what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it's, again, a number of uh, sessions uh, where someone gives a, a talk, someone gives a witness, there's some praise and worship. And those talks are about who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, uh, what is the church. Um, and, and in that, encouraging people to a, a commitment to Christ, a commitment to a relationship with the Lord. And at the end, there's a weekend where they pray for an experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, something we see in Acts of the Apostles, also in 1 Corinthians, where there's an outpouring of the Spirit. Um, a manifestation of it 's kind of I would say a stirring up of the grace already received in baptism, so we all receive the Holy Spirit in our our, our, our baptisms, um, but the Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us that we receive a lifetime worth of grace in our baptism, and but some of that grace lays latent until um, our faith actualizes it my so, uh, uh, praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a praying for uh, an encounter, a stirring up of all that grace we've received in our baptism, that it can become fully actualized, um, that we can live out um, the, our, our baptism in Christ in our day-to-day lives.
1: And my uh, my uh, way that I often put that is either I've had the Holy Spirit locked in a closet of my life, or He's buried under the rubble of my life
3: yeah they they' very those are very good analogies I know for on their retreat the analogy they used was uh, like chocolate milk you know you've you got the chocolate sitting in there at the bottom of the glass, and the milk's in there too. but you got to take the spoon and stir it up
1: Yes, that's very good. I've heard that before. Tell us a little bit about the Franciscans of the Holy Spirit and how they started uh because you were you were a uh you were in this Franciscan community in Pennsylvania for a number of years and then What motivated the formation of the Franciscans of the Holy Spirit? And tell us a little bit about how that got formed.
3: Yes. So uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, the Lord would be the ultimate reason, really stirring up in in my heart. And there were seven men who were in this Franciscan community. Um, And all of us kind of independently uh, were feeling this this calling, this stirring um, to— to mission work, and particularly to Phoenix, Arizona, and kind of interestingly, because you know we didn't have any kind of relationship with Bishop Olmsted out here. Uh, we didn't know all the particular reasons. We just there's really there was a stirring in our hearts to come to, to Phoenix, Arizona, and we got gathered together, you know, and, and you know, talked to spiritual directors, talked to advisors. Um, you know, talk to the community, et cetera. Got, got through went through, uh, you know, all the steps in the process, but eventually, you know, felt called by God, and that was confirmed over and over again that we were supposed to, to leave the community we were in and come and start a new community down here in uh, Phoenix. And um, we'd learned when we got here that Bishop Olmsted, uh, the Bishop of the Diocese of Phoenix, had been praying um, at that time for almost 12 years for a Franciscan community to come down and work with the Native Americans here. Uh, there had been a Franciscan community uh, here where we live at St. John the Baptist from 1897 until the 1970s, and they'd started a grade school and a high school, but because of the uh, shortage of vocations, because the high schools financially were struggling, um, the high school shut down, and the Franciscans left in the 1970s. And uh, so the Native Americans at that time had begun praying of and and this community at St. John the Baptist, for a, and they were just praying for one Charismatic Franciscan priest to come and to minister to their church, and um, and they got seven. The funny thing is, of the seven of us, there was only one of us born uh, when they started praying. So God, uh, it kind of it means a real witness to faith of how God answers prayers. But in order to answer their prayer, He actually had to uh, create, you know, guys to come down here and do this because most of us weren't, weren't even born yet. And so, but they persevered from the 1970s all the way up till 2015. Um, when we, um, as ordained priests, uh, really felt this call and, uh, and responded. And we came, and on the first Sunday we were here, they were in tears, a number of them and came up to us and said that we were, we were, we were finally had come. We'd come home, uh, and that we were fulfillment of. And the Lord had been telling them, uh, actually, since 1987, uh, when Pope St. John Paul II uh, came to Phoenix, um, they had a vision had been received by some Native Americans that there was going to be light um, emerging from the desert here, starting at St. John the Baptist. And they had said, the light is finally here to come and help us in the midst of the darkness. So it was just, again, confirmation after confirmation that the Lord was uh, calling to being this new community. And we focus, so we work um, with Native Americans. We live on the reservation uh, here at the Hila River Reservation in Phoenix. We work with Native American community. We also have men working. Uh, we actually founded a Newman Center at the Grand Canyon University. Uh, here in Phoenix as well, there was no outreach to Catholic students there, and the and- bishop asked us to go and do campus ministry. So those are our, our two main outreaches, and we are, yeah, just very, very excited. The Lord called us to really uh, be witnesses, be evangelists, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, to pray for um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to lead people in a close relationship to Jesus Christ, and help those who are, uh, who are most in need.
1: And I, I, I did a little uh, reading, even this morning, about Grand Canyon University and your ministry there, and that is a, what, about a 13,000-student uh, Baptist university, of which 2,500 or so of the students are Catholic.
3: Yes, so uh, traditionally it, it was founded Baptist. It now would consider itself more of a, a evangelical, non-denominational um, school. Uh, it was—it's really turned around. They, that was actually for sale in the 90s, and uh, was purchased and began—you know—this this really turnaround, and it is growing by leaps and bounds. Like you said, the 13,000. Their their goal is to get up over 20,000 over the next 10 years, um, and they've been uh, really pushing, getting a lot of them. Because Phoenix is growing so much, they've been able to to do a lot of outreach in that regard. But yeah, so. This actually was really a stirring up from the students themselves. There were a couple of priests who were studying for their master's degrees at Grand Canyon University uh, on the side. So a couple of them were uh, teachers at uh, high school, Catholic high schools um, in the area. And the bishop had assigned them to go get a master's in uh, administration um, and so that they could you know, potentially be principals of these schools. And while they were studying, these Catholic students would come up to them and say, you know, hey, you know, can, is there you know, some way, can you can have mass for us? Can you do this? And can you do that? And these priests would come back and report it to the bishop about this desire among Catholic students to have some kind of outreach there. And so he'd been praying for, you know, some an opportunity. And there was just, there really was um, a lot of resistance. There, there's been, uh, Grand Canyon University is a closed campus, so you can't actually even get on campus unless you have a student ID uh, or you're with a student. Um, there'd been some issues with um, some other denominations. I um, think the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses who'd come on and really proselytized, and it caused a lot of disruption. And so they'd really closed off any any kind of. They have a pastor for the school, and they have a church there, and that's really where the only thing they were allowing on campus. Um, but we began working with them. Uh, Bishop assigned you know our men to go over and to help build the relationship and see what we could do. And uh, and after. A couple of years of just being on being a presence on campus, getting to know the administration, uh, they opened the doors to us to start a Newman Center, uh, which is not on campus but is right across the street from the main entrance. And we're in uh, great relationships with uh, Grand Canyon University administration. And our, we, we brought uh, six people into the church our first year there, we brought another four in last year. Um, and, that's, and we just have a little little house. It's kind of we're, we're trying need to build more of a structure. We're just kind of uh, doing it out of a, uh, the simple means that we have right now. But it's just been an overwhelming a sign that God wanted this, and he desired it.
1: And you, you were telling me last week, I believe, that uh, you have two of your priests that make the 30 to 40-minute commute every day back and forth to be able to minister there at Grand Canyon University.
3: That is correct, yeah. So community life is so important to us. And, and so we've uh, made that sacrifice, those men in particular um, have made that sacrifice so they can come, they can live in community. Uh, so we have we started with seven men. Uh, we're currently 12 men. So we've been uh, receiving vocations uh, since we came down in 2015. It's been a year of discernment with the bishop. Uh, he then um, established us as a, a public, public cleric association of the faithful. Um, long story short, that's kind of a step in the process to become an institute of consecrated life, to become a uh, religious community. But we're fully under the bishop right now. Um, he, after a year, he established us. We got our habits. We got our new names. And I guess I do have to answer. I heard there was the question about whom I named after. So remind me, I got to answer that question, too. Um, but uh, so he established us and uh, as the seven here. And the men again making that drive. We then received three novices our first year, uh, two novices our second year. Um, Those at the two-year kind of novitiate, a 22-month novitiate. And so those three novices who are from the first year have now professed vows, and they're going up to Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit. And so we'll have um, a priest and actually a deacon, a a, a transitional deacon who's up there. He's one of the uh, seven who came down the uh, kind of the first wave, and he's been ordained, he was ordained a deacon this past June. He'll be ordained a priest next June. And so there'll be our five guys up there. We're in a, a rectory, an unused rectory, uh, or an unlived in rectory, I should say, at a parish up near the seminary, and live there, live a community life here. And then the rest of us, um, our novice director, our novices, and then um, the men who work with Native American ministry and the men who work at Grand Canyon all live together here on the reservation in Phoenix. And yeah, we a lot of sacrifice. We're, it's very spread out. So we cover uh, four different reservations and hundreds of square miles. Eleven different mission churches. Um, and then yeah, we have those two men who are half hour away, thirty to forty minutes away at Grand Canyon University. So we spend a spend a lot of time in the car. But again, for for the sake of the people of God, you know, and the need, and uh, we we go out, but also for our own needs, so mm-hmm. we can live community life. We can pray together. We we take that time and we we get up. We are. The other routine is to wake up at uh, before 6. Our prayer starts at 6. We do um, uh, about 20 minutes of praise and worship. And then we do the office of readings and morning prayer um, from the, the liturgy of the hours. And we chant those. So we use, uh, I guess, uh, kind of a Benedictine-style chant. And um, not quite Gregorian chant, but it's uh, the Meinrad tones. Um, and we uh, and then after Officer reading for morning prayer, we, ha- we go over to the parish that we live next to, and we have a a mass and a holy hour, and then we get our day started, and uh, let's, uh, let's take a break at noon for a daytime prayer, and then we uh, come back together again in the evening at 5 p.m. for evening prayer and dinner, and uh, night prayer, and then you know during the day and during the evenings we have our various ministries to the Native Americans and to the students at Grand Canyon University.
1: Uh- Father Anthony, uh, why did you choose Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit as the place for your men to train? So
3: it was in dialogue with the bishop. We were um, the our, two of our men. So we came down. We, were, we called ourselves the five loaves and the two fishes because there were five priests and two brothers. And the day we met with Bishop Olmsted, the gospel for the day was about how Jesus took five loaves and two fishes and multiplied them. And so we just internally knew that God was going to take these five priests and two brothers and multiply them. And the, so the first priest only had a semester left, or the, the, the first uh, seminarian, I should say, only had a sem- semester left at Catholic University. So he went to Catholic University to finish his degree um, and got ordained. The other seminarian had two years at Catholic University, and so we were looking at uh, there to finish his degree. But then bishops asked us, you know what, there's some other seminaries um, why don't you look at Sacred Heart in Detroit, because I really like what they're doing with the new evangelization. So we went up and visited, and uh, it was just a a wonderful place. There's some really wonderful professors, uh, Dr. Mary Healy, uh, Dr. Ralph Martin, uh, Dr. Janet Smith, uh, some really very uh, great intellectuals. They're also, uh, we are, you know, like I said, talk, pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're very open. You know, there's a there's a charismatic community there. A lot of them belong to, so they were very open to us, um, kind of in our spirituality at the seminary, uh, very accepting of that. Also, um, really being in a place where we uh, they we could live in community. Um, and so the bishop, Archbishop Vigneron, was just incredible. We got to meet with him, and he said, whatever we need to do, we want religious, we want people wearing their habits to be in our city. He said, so we want you here, whatever we need to do. And so they were very accommodating to help us find a place that was near the seminary where we could live together in community life, but also have our men do their studies. Um, so, and ultimately, again, the Lord, the Lord really directed our hearts that this was, this was the place we had total peace in it. And uh, so that's why we're sending our men up to Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit.
1: Detroit isn't exactly a comfortable place for you, your men, to wear their sandals in the middle of winter.
3: (laughs) That is true, and and we're you know what we're in inner city Detroit as well, so we are right in the hearts. Um, Like I said, we're here on the reservation. We're in inner city Detroit. We've we've picked places really where we can be with um, the poorest of the poor, and and, uh, to use a quote from Mother Teresa, those who are really in need, those who are really broken, because. You're right. It's it's hard to you know have a, have sandals on in the midst of the winter, and they're not required. If if it gets it's cold outside, they can wear shoes. So it's not a we in general um, recommend sandals, but there's there are exceptions for the for those those wintry days. But to be in that place where they can wear their habits and be witness to a place that you know doesn't really know the church, um, has maybe hasn't even experienced a religious wearing a habit before. To have those dialogues, it's such a great because we do a lot of street evangelization. Um, So there's the formal ministries we do, but there's a lot of informal ministry where we, you know, when our guys go to our novices shop at Walmart, and they're encouraged to pray for people when they go grocery shopping. And so pretty much every, they go Saturday, pretty much every Saturday evening at dinner, we sit and they they have some more stories about people they encountered at Walmart, um, people who they'd... uh, you know lives they touched um they've been when, been kicked out of walmart a couple times because they, they kind of got a, a group gathering of people around you know them as they as people received healings and we've seen just some mighty healings the lord has done it the lord just is pouring out his holy spirit and you know i said uh at the wedding feast of cana that he, he kind of reserves the best wine for last He really is pouring out his holy spirit in a, in a new way uh, upon his church and upon upon us we're seeing that we've seen people healed of stage four cancer you have been, you know, people healed of uh, you know, back, you know, problems, uh, shoulder problems, neck problems, uh, kind of anything in between. People's lives, tumors gone away, have been uh, completely transformed. And so that's been uh, just such a witness, such an example of, of what the, uh, the Lord pouring out his spirit. But doing that, that street evangelization has been such a blessing.
1: Uh this might be a good time for to remind people who my guest is today, and it's Father Anthony Tinker. He's a Franciscan of the Holy Spirit uh, in a suburb uh, of Phoenix—well, maybe not exactly a suburb, but at Levine, Arizona, which is a part of the Phoenix, Arizona, Diocese. And uh, a couple of places that you can find more information about the uh, the uh, Franciscans of the Holy Spirit, it is dot faith is their website they also uh you can find out about them uh with uh is it and on facebook and i had written down where that is in in my uh, i have not i can't find where that is now but there it's that's
3: all you can find a link to everything on the website so if you go website. to the website uh, becomefire.faith then you'll see at the bottom of that page there's a link to our facebook our twitter uh instagram all that stuff none of which i can say i'm familiar with but luckily we have young people who are uh really good with all that stuff who help run it for us
1: and and everybody up to date i I visited the website and the facebook page and it looks very professional and so oh, thank you
3: very much yeah it's so important you know the number number one way to get vocations is through personal contact but the number two way has been is social media websites uh, these types of things we're the sake of investment in potential vocations. We've really been pouring in a lot of resources to our, our social media, and, and great volunteers. I'll tell you what, the, the church runs on people who are willing to, to give their time, talent, and treasure, and we've had just a lot of wonderful volunteers who've helped us out. So many uh, blessings to them for that.
1: And, and there's a couple of other places that, that I would recommend. If you Google Father Antony, which is A-N-T-O-N-Y, Tinker, T-I-N-K-E-R, there are a couple of uh, YouTube videos about halfway down that first page uh, there, one of which is a homily that you gave at a Maronite Rite church uh, some time ago, and another one which is about an eight-and-a-half or nine-minute video that talks about the Franciscans of the Holy Spirit and all of your charisms, which I just found absolutely wonderful when I, when I saw that.
3: Yeah, that's a great way to get to know. us. So if you want, want to know more, that really explains in a, a short, concise way kind of who we are, the, the, our main outreaches and what we do and get a sense of who, who the friars are in that video. You can also find that video on our website.
1: Do you uh, Getting back to what we were talking about, uh, your, your Walmart ministry. Not everybody has a Walmart ministry, by the way. <laughs> but, but, you know, and you're in good company being kicked out of Walmart because Jesus got kicked out of Nazareth too. <laughs> which, so that's good. You, you've you got some other interesting ministries. Uh, you talked about the uh, people of not only the bishop. Uh, oh, I, I, Thaddeus here is in the background mouthing to you, and I need to ask what the Walmart ministry is.
3: <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I, I I call it that. You know, it's just, it just being in public places and being willing to respond to, uh, an invitation from God to pray for someone. So whether it be at a restaurant, whether it be when grocery shopping, when shopping, when just out and about, whatever the case may be, it's, it's really um, us being open and training our, our men and formation to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because you never know when the Holy Spirit wants you to encounter someone with their love. And that's the ultimate goal is to let people know they love them. There's a lot of homeless people here in Phoenix and, you know, drive by them often. Um, and it's and really even just looking at them and just waving or saying hello, um, because oftentimes people just drive by and kind of look the other way or ignore them. But to know that, that that's a person who needs to be loved, who cared for, and just um, have, putting that, that smile on and really encountering people. And then uh, the Lord will lead us occasionally um, to pray for individuals, to go up and, and just talk to them. Sometimes he thinks, makes things more specific, like uh, we have a feeling someone's got back pain. And so and go going to ask, my, are you having some back issues? And pray for that. Other times it just feels like a, a you know, this, a tug on the heart to go and just talk to someone. And it turns out they've just went through a, a divorce. And I was um, speaking with someone um, the other day. And at first I could tell they really, uh, it's just, you know, it's being nice and cordial. And I could tell there was something on their heart and I, I kind of pressed on the issue. It turns out she's you know, her husband just had an affair, and she's been going through this great difficulty and just needed somebody to talk to and let them know that they're loved, they're cared for, that Jesus loves them in the midst of all this. And, uh, and so being open to go and to um, just encounter people in our day-to-day lives and, you know, kind of put away, you know, oftentimes, I know for me, I get so busy with everything that I just want to go and, you know, get the shopping over and get back. I don't know, but really taking that time and saying, okay, God, I'm open. I'm open to be used by you at this time. Um, whatever whatever capacity that may entail, whatever uh, you may want at this time. And, again, we've seen as we pray for people in these these encounters, uh, people get healed, and they come to uh, – we have we – have, uh, you talk about other ministries we have. We do a lot of healing masses, That's yes. a, a big outreach we have, where we um, – every once a month uh, on, a, on a Tuesday nights here at St. John the Baptist, and then we have others throughout the, the valley as well at various times uh, where – we go and have, uh, do some praise and worship, have mass, and then pray for people afterwards uh, for healing. And we just see incredible healings that the Lord does. Um, again, uh, physical will be the ones that are most uh, dramatic that people, um, you know, get really you know, or say excited about. But the, the most powerful ones are usually the ones that occur in the hearts, occur in the soul. People who have come back to confession. And they just—they said, I heard about this, and I came, and I, uh, this is the first time I've been to confession, and some people 30, 40 years, and to see people's lives change like that um, just because of of being available has te- been a, a wonderful blessing.
1: You were telling me— uh, We also— Excuse me. Uh, you,
3: you, I don't know if you want me to continue on various other well, reaches or not, or if you but, want to— I was, was going to talk about, the, about what we call the Walmart ministry.
1: I was, I was going to ask you about, to repeat a story you told me about a couple of healings about the woman who was the meth addict and, and uh, I guess was her husband or boyfriend or somebody who was the alcoholic. Would you uh, care to tell us a little yeah. bit about that and how that came about, where yeah. that came about?
3: So we were here um, here living at St. John the Baptist, and this uh, woman who um, is in her mid-30s, who has been in and out of jail, um, for she told me she'd been in, in jail half her life. Um, she a, a math addict for I think about 17 years, and um, um, just a lot of problems. Um, you know, had suffered abuse, had gone through a lot of difficulties in life, and she kind of grew up in this area, even though she lived uh, away. And she just kind of randomly shows up at the door one day, and uh, and says, "Can I? I'd like to get some holy water from the church." And I said, of course. And uh, um, she just wanted to go pray. And and so we, we started talking and just started dialoguing. And uh, we kind of formed a relationship. Uh turns out her husband had been an alcoholic for a number of years. Um, she had you know, children from a number of different men, a number of different husbands. And um, they were just really struggling. And she just, she was done. She wanted to, she wanted she to wanted change, but she, you know, didn't, didn't know how that was possible. So, um, ended up praying for her, praying for her whole family, and, and I know it took some, some time, took some work, but it, it just the transformation that occurred was absolutely incredible. Like her family didn't even know how to respond to it or deal with it because here's this person who, you know, has been, you know, struggling with a meth addiction for 17 years, and now they're completely in love with Jesus, coming to all our, our prayer meetings, coming to daily mass. Um, getting their marriage right, taken care of, getting their kids into sacraments. And, and the, the man stopped drinking as well. Um, so he got off uh, alcohol. Uh, and it just was this unbelievable. I'd never seen anything like it. And so she's been clean now for, oh, two year, two and a half years now, um, which has been absolutely incredible. And uh, her family's just completely transformed. Her girls come to our youth group now. Um, and it's been, yeah, just, uh, unbelievable to see that transformation. So that would be, um, yeah, one of those, one of those real deep transformations of life that we experience. The other one, I guess there've been a couple of, um, stage four cancer healings where yes. people were told that this is, this is it. Like there's no more treatment we can do. Um, there was this one, it's called the, the King's Men Retreat. Yes. I was
1: going to ask on. you about that.
3: And there was a, a man there who, um, he had stage four uh, cancer. And yeah, they, they basically said kind of, there's this, this, nothing we can do. You, you're, you're basically, this is, you're going to be, you know, live, live this out and let it run its course. And then when it runs its course, that'll be it. And uh, so he came pretty desperate and asked for prayer. And uh, our men prayed over him and he went back. Um, he felt, immediately he felt, um uh, like a, a lights or a power, the presence of God come upon him, and uh, felt the holy spirit and he went he went back to the doctors you know and had for a checkup, and he is completely cancer free. Um, it was hence to God all the glory, just absolutely incredible miraculous Doctors have no idea you know what to what to think about it, what to say about it. Another guy, and this is pretty interesting um he he's a celiac or was a celiac, I should say, um, had a gluten allergy. And I don't even think – I'm trying to remember the story exactly. I wasn't there, but I don't even think he uh, – was, that was necessarily what he was praying for. I think he was you know, praying for like a family thing or just asking for prayers in general. And then um, it, he just – he felt, again, something in his body, felt the Holy Spirit, and he went and uh, got checked out, and he is no longer a celiac. He is no longer allergic to gluten, so – Yeah, just these incredible manifestations. And why? You know, why these manifestations of of healing is to bring people closer to Jesus, right? The healings are not an end. They're a means to a deeper relationship with the Lord. So he uh, he experienced this profound healing of God in his life so that he could, all these individuals, so that they could come in deeper relationship with Jesus. I mean, the example of that woman who was healed of her meth addiction, you know, she was healed in order to um, so that she could get her marriage reconciled, she could come back to the sacraments. She could get uh, her kids and get the kids the sacraments, etc. So it was a that that healing from the addiction was a transformation of her heart, so that she could experience um, the, the profound grace of of Jesus Christ, uh, the freedom in her heart and her soul.
1: And that this is uh, the, what what you're talking about is just like the woman at the well. In Samaria, that Jesus uh, touched, uh, he touched her, and he healed her, and transformed her, and she went back, and she in turn told other folks, and they came to Jesus as well because of the witness of what had happened to her.
3: Amen. Exactly, and that's that's the that's you know that that multiplies, you know that's the the hundredfold harvest where you start planting seeds, and then those seeds start multiplying, and they start planting seeds, and you see the Lord. Um, just multiplying work as one person comes to experience the power of the Lord, then they go and tell other people and it 's again, when someone like that is able to get up and give a witness about what the lord has done it's, it it shakes it shakes you you have to you have to say, "Oh my goodness, like uh, god 's doing something here
1: and it 's this this he, these healings at the king 's men 's retreat that was in the Phoenix area uh, the king 's men themselves document that in their quarterly newsletter, which got emailed out this last week. So if anybody's on the King's Men's email list, it's there. It's about, I guess, about half, three quarters of the way down through the email, or you can probably find that same information on the King's Men's uh, website. Which, and the King's Men is a, math, a Catholic men's uh, fellowship uh, with a lot of retreats and things like that. Father Anthony, could you tell us a little bit about your youth group? Because that's pretty amazing as well, how that has uh, progressed and grown and really exploded, and what's going on there.
3: Right, there. You know, we came in, and there is a a great school that uh, this group of Franciscan sisters have been running since the nineteen fifties. It is uh, called St. Peter's. That's a wonderful school. You can look up St. Peter's Indian Mission in Phoenix. It's a it's a great outreach. And, um, but they're, they're, and so they're touching a number of students pre-K to eight, but there's really no outreach to our high schoolers. And we realize that there's, we're losing a lot of our high schoolers. We're getting them educated to eighth grade um, for those who are going to the Catholic school. And and high school is such a important age. Um, And a lot of the kids are, our our graduation rate from high school is about 34% on the reservation. Um, So you got a lot of kids who aren't even graduating from high school. Unfortunately, there's a lot of gangs. There's a lot of um, you know, drug problems, alcohol problems, teenage pregnancies, very high is about 50 percent of girls get pregnant um, in their teenage years. So there's a, a number of different uh, issues um, involved in, in that age frame. And so we, you know, working with the sisters, working with the bishop, we were talking about how to respond. And really, uh, youth group was one of the solutions we came up with. And so we started with one youth group. Uh, out at uh, our St. Peter's mission, and it was for the kids who graduated from that uh, grade school, and we were uh, just ministering to them. And at first, it was just a few who came, and uh, they were pretty much, I want to say, uh, not necessarily forced to come, but it was a part of the bus route. So a sister would pick them up from their high schools, have the buses from the grade school, and in order to keep them in high school, we actually bus them or help bus them, transport them back and forth to high school. But we were bringing them back, and they just stop, at the grade school, and then they'd come, we'd eat some food, um, we'd have a game, and then we would have some kind of teaching in a small group, uh, using a lot of the teaching we use is from Life team, Life team program. Um, And then we started, um, we were doing an Alpha program at St. John the Baptist. For those who aren't familiar, Alpha is a, it's a, um, kind of a interdenominational. It's not Catholic. Uh, it's run by the Anglican. It started by an Anglican church, but it's pretty pretty general, basic. It's, you know, just the basics of who Jesus is, um, who God is, what the church is, and some real basic. You get together, you have dinner, you watch a video, and you have a small group. So we had done that program, and a, a girl who was an eighth grader at the time had gone with her mother and said she wanted her friends to come uh, to do this. And so we concurrently, the next um, year, did a... Uh, an adult alpha and at the same time a youth alpha for our high schoolers, our grade 7th graders to 12th graders. And that became a second youth group. So we'd only planned to start one youth group, but all of a sudden we, if we had two youth groups and again, it started real small, each of these just, you know, maybe half a dozen. Um, and, and then we began to say, you know what, we gotta, we gotta do more. So we took them to a, a Christian concert uh, and then we actually ended up going to the March for Life in, or I think it's sorry, the Walk for Life in San Francisco. And um, we took a, a group of students out there. And then we um, started having a ret- yearly retreat for them.
1: Father Anthony, I, I, I hate to break in, but as I was afraid, we ran out of time. Can you believe oh, that's that? Okay. Can you believe that? Okay. Now, again, become faith, uh, becomefire.faith is the website. And if a young man is listening to this and would like to know more about the Franciscans of the Holy Spirit, or if somebody has heard about this and wants to help support your ministry, what do they do? How do they go about it?
3: Right. So on the BecomeFire.Faith website, there is a Getting to Know You form. For any young men who might be interested, might want some more information, just want to have a call with our vocation director, you would go to the BecomeFire.Faith. You'll find a Getting to Know You form on there under vocations. Go ahead and fill that out, and we'll give you a phone call and give you some more information.
2: Um,
3: and then anyone who maybe you want to enter, enter in supporting us. And like I said, we have Same. Uh, right now four guys in seminary. Um, we have you know uh, three guys or two guys now, a man, joining us. Uh, who are going to be in our novitiate program. We,
1: you and uh, Father Anthony, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we've got to stop. Remember, everybody, yes. when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up.